God is good all the time, and all the time, God is good. God wants to move in different directions, or I should say a different direction. We all grow up and go through our Christian walk with a certain mindset of what God is all about and what God wants to do in our lives. And as such, we all grow up with a certain construct or impression of what God is. And I'm here today to tell you that I'm going to give you some food for thought, some food for your spirit to expand your thinking and to expand in thinking about your approach to God. We've been raised in to, to truly kind of believe that God is just um, a concept. Many of us, no matter how long we've been in the Lord, we view God as being some ethereal thing that just kind of floats around out there and that there's no personal relationship with him. But in order to truly benefit from God, today, starting today, you've got to cast off those traditional ways of thinking. You've got to break those chains of traditional thought relative to the things of God. Every single believer that is sitting here today was brought here by Holy Spirit. You made a choice that today I'm not going to go to Little League if it's out there or whatever sports the kids are playing these, day, these days. You made a conscious thought that I'm not going to just go elsewhere with my friends or somebody's calling me to go. I'm not going to go and do so-and-so. Today, I feel a need to go to church. Today, I feel a need to hear from the Word of God. And as long as you keep that sort of concept in your mind, that, that, that thinking that I need to be closer to God and get rid of the chains of the traditional thinking. And if you really, really desire deep down in your heart to know God and you need God to work into your life, then you've got to start casting off the traditional way of thinking. We seem to be trapped in this religious haze. Much of the church holds God, as I said before, as an idea or concept that fits somewhere into their busy lives but they don't feel that God is really a part of their busy lives. They set aside one day a week for a couple of hours to go to church, and they figure that's all that I really need to do. But And that becomes what's called theology. They start thinking that God is not an actual person who resides in the spiritual realm and who has become the central theme of their lives. When you can start believing that God resides in a, in, a, in a spiritual realm and wants to become a central part of your life, that's when things will start to change. And that's what we're going to get into today. The reality, the real reality is the real reality. That's redundant, but the real the reality is this. God is a supernatural God. And what is supernatural? Supernatural simply means living and operating outside the laws of the natural world. God is not confined to this physical world where, like this pulpit, or, or I'm confined to getting out of this building by going through a doorway. God is, operates outside of, the, of, the, of that, being that he's in a supernatural world. When you were born again, you became a supernatural person because of the fact that you were called to manifest the kingdom of God. The Bible is very, very clear that all people are God's creation. Colossians 1.16 says that all people are God's creation. The Bible also says in John 3.16, where you know the words there, where it says, uh, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. It says that God loves the entire world. But, and I say to you, but, only those who are born again, only those who are born again are children of God. So that puts you in a much different category. Yes, you are part of the world and God loves the world. But because of the fact that you're born again and born again simply means is that if at some point in your life you decided that you needed God, at some point in your life you cried out to Jesus. At some point in time in your life, you cried out and said, Lord Jesus, come into my life and take control because I simply can't do it. If you invited him into your heart to become your personal Lord and Savior, then that means you are born again. And that means that you are a child of God. But again, never take my word for it. We have to see what the word of God says. Go to John, John chapter 1. Here in Genesis 1, we have to always make sure that what we're talking about here is not just, you know, the pastor's word or some, some thought or concept that I dreamed up. We have to go by what the word of God says. Okay, so if you go to John chapter 1. Okay, again. According to the Bible, all people are God's creation. 
Okay, number two, all that uh, God loved the entire world so much, he gave his only begotten son. But only those who are born, again, are children of God. And we see in John 1, starting with this verse number 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Underline that, please. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Okay, so there it is. As many as received him, to them gave he, gave he power to become the sons of God. So if you received God, that means then that you have the power and that you are indeed his son or daughter. As God's child, you have Holy Spirit. You have Holy Spirit. You can be effectively led by Holy Spirit. You can know and discern the will of God for your life. Sometimes you wonder, what is my life all about? I feel like I'm just kind of drifting. There's a million things going on in my life. There's a million problems that I have going on. What is it that I'm supposed to do? But you can know God's will for your life by knowing Holy Spirit. You can operate in tremendous miracles and authority. You can operate in miracles and authority. The supernatural life is for you. This is where you must change your thinking. This is where I want to get you today. If the God that we serve is a supernatural God, and if you are one of his children, if you are his child, then that means that you are a supernatural being. And we got to get past the, the traditional thinking because some of the things that I say here may seem so far and so strange to you that you want to dismiss it. But if you really want God to operate on, into your life and to remove the issues that are going on, you've got to get to a deeper space with God. You've got to get to a deeper place with God. You've got to really know who you are. What holds you back from benefiting from God is you. What holds you back from benefiting in God is you. Because many times, because of our training and our upbringing, we, we get locked into this concept that God is just someone that we pray to occasionally, and he's like Connie outside, and, and he's there someplace, and we don't realize who we are and how closely we are inter related to him. You came here today because God was calling you for a reason. There's some revelation knowledge God wants to give you. And the first step in your life today was being obedient to Holy Spirit and doing what he called you to do. God doesn't do things by coincidence. Everything by, with God is a plan. But it's always our choice to follow. You are a child of God born into his kingdom with all the rights and privileges of an heir. Now, what is an heir? An heir is someone that receives from someone else. You know, you, you know, my, my great aunt Tilly, if she was to pass on, if she had a couple of million dollars, well, I would be an heir, hopefully. I don't even have an aunt Tilly, but anyway, you know what I mean. You know what an heir is. An heir is someone who receives. So today, let's journey deep into the mystery and the wonder of our majestic father. Let's go to Romans 8. Romans 8. You have access to Holy Spirit. You have Holy Spirit in you. The thing is to understand that. Romans 8, Romans 8, and we'll start with verse number 14, Romans 8, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, this is you, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Because of the fact that you've accepted, you've accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you have Holy Spirit in, in you, says you have received this, you have not received the spirit of fear again, bondage to, to fear. Fear is anything that has you troubled. Fear is anxiety. Fear is, is stress. Fear is worry. Fear can be a fear of another man. Fear can be a fear of circumstances in your life. There are things going on in your life that you feel totally are, are, are totally out of control. You don't know how to manage the process. That's a fear. But it says here, though, it says you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. You have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You've been adopted into the family of God. The Spirit itself, verse 16, the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that you are the children of God. 
You've got to remember who you are. You are a child of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So if you are an heir and you're saying that you are a joint heir of Christ, what did Jesus inherit? Jesus inherited everything that God the Father gave to him. So, but, but you have to get straight in your head. That means that that applies to you too. You see? But as Christians, we many times, we don't, we miss out on the spiritual blessings because we can't see us in the spiritual realities that God sees us in. You are an heir. What God has, he's given to you. The same thing he gave to Jesus, he gave to you. But you can't believe that. or We have a hard time wrapping our heads around it. So therefore, we don't willingly partake of what God already has laid out for us. Everything that God needs to do for you, he's done. He's done. It's like it's finished. God does not have to have to open the doors and break down the barriers. It's been done. The problem is, how do we receive it? Okay, it's like someone mails a package to you. You know, someone mails a package that you really, really want it very, very badly. And it said they said, I sent it by FedEx. Okay, and then the man FedEx comes to your door and he's knocking on the door and ringing the doorbell. And he says, I have something for you. And he has it in his hands. Well, guess what? If you don't answer the door, if you don't go to the door and open it and receive it, Even though he's standing right there with it in his hands, you'll never get that package from FedEx. Well, that's the way it is with God. God has given us certain things already. But we, because of the way we've been brought up in church or whatever we learned from our parents or just life in general, whatever we learned about God is so restricted that we hold ourselves back from just unashamedly, unabashedly just receiving and casting out all of those chains that kept me from benefiting from God. So the issues that are going on in your life, the answer is right there before you. The issues that you have going on are right there in front of you. It's a matter of you reaching out to God and listening to Holy Spirit and believing what it, what it is that he has to tell you on how to get around whatever is uh, your burden right now. We go to 1 Corinthians. Go to 1 Corinthians. Praise the living God. 1 Corinthians 2. One Corinthians two and starting with verse number four. We see here what the Apostle Paul is saying here. And my speech and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words. I wait for everyone to get there. Second Corinthians four. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men. Please underline that. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Many times again, because of our upbringings, we wind up having faith based in the wisdom of men. In other words, men will be interpreting to us what God is all about. We grew up hearing from our parents or whatever churches we attended or however we wound up hearing about God. We wind up listening to other people's interpretations and the wisdom of men. But what it says is that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Okay, God is the only God is the only one that can really guide you. God is the only one that can teach you about Holy Spirit. God is the only one that can bring you out of your problem. So in other words, what I'm even saying here, you can stand up here and listen to me all day long. And you can understand what I'm saying to you with my lips. You can understand it with your mind. But the real, the real individual, the person that's going to really teach you and bring you to where you need to be is God through his Holy Spirit. So don't go by my wisdom or any other man's wisdom, but rather draw on the Holy Spirit. And this is where you have to start thinking and moving to a whole new level. It says in verse number six, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory which none of the princes of this world knew. For had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So what this is basically saying here here is that we cannot um, uh, uh, guide our lives and govern our lives simply by listening to what men are saying about who and what God is. If you've got an issue going on right now, you've got to bypass what's going through your head. You've got to bypass this. 
we have men, human beings in our lives that come in to offer us expertise. Be they doctors, lawyers, nurses, um, management specialists, or whatever it is. We have people that can guide us in certain things. The things of God which you really, really need to conquer what is going on in your life can't really be given to you by a man. I, my role here is to take you through scriptures and help you to understand what the scripture is saying. But the real expert is Holy Spirit and God. All right. And this is where you've got to change your thinking. You've got to, to break those shackles, change from your head that have you following after men, after human beings. God can use human beings, yes. God oftentimes works through human beings, but still it's the Holy Spirit that will guide you to the right human being. You understand? You understand what I'm saying? Because at the same time that God is guiding you to that human being that may be um, well-equipped, well-enough-equipped and informed to help you, okay, at the same time, if Holy Spirit is in the mix, if Holy Spirit is doing the directing, at the same time, Holy Spirit is ministering to that person that he's sending you to, telling that person what, what to do in order to help you out of your situation. Because God works through men. Case in point, when, um, when uh, well, Saul was blinded before he became Paul, when Saul was blinded and he was riding on a horse, remember, and Jesus uh, showed up and said, why do you persecute me? And he, he lost his sight and he fell off the horse and so on, like that. he was blind, but he sent him to a man in another town. Go to so-and-so in another town, Ananias, I think it was, another town. And he said, and he's going to heal you. He's going to bring back your blind. In the meantime, Holy Spirit went to Ananias and said, I'm going to send Saul to you. I want you to lay hands on him to, to heal his blindness. Remember that the scripture says that Ananias argued with God. He said, what? Saul, you know what he does? Saul persecutes the Jews. He does this. God says, I want you to minister to him. All right? So in the meantime, Saul, the Holy Spirit talked to Saul. Holy Spirit talked to Ananias over here. And when the two of them got together, the power of God moved. The power of God moved. So what I'm saying to you today is that you've got to, to, to throw off those shackles in your mind and remember who you are and how you are directly connected to God and how you are an heir of the things that God has for you. Okay? And, and, and that as you, as you go through this life, don't simply rely on the wisdom of men, but rely on the wisdom of Holy Spirit to be guiding you. So that whatever is going on in your life, you don't know how many times... When I prayed for people who were ill, did I not only pray for the person that was ill? My prayer always includes, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit will guide the minds, the hands, the thoughts, and the decisions of the doctors. I pray your Holy Spirit will guide the, the minds, the hands, and the thoughts, and decisions of the nurses, the technicians, and all of those in the medical field that would be, be working around so-and-so, whoever the person is. Not only am I praying for that person's healing, but I'm praying that Holy Spirit will guide those doctors into making the right decisions. They're human beings. They can look at an x-ray and not see something that they should have seen. But Holy Spirit can direct that doctor or that technician to look at that x-ray and all of a sudden discern what is really wrong. Okay? So Holy Spirit works through men. So you've got to start thinking about now, how is it that I need to connect? That God is not just some, some floating being that's out there, that I indeed, I have a connection to him. We need to also, what we need to know in order to, to walk into this new um, supernatural realm, is that we need to abide in God. You've got to abide in God. Many believers actually have more faith in the ability of the devil, in the ability of the enemy, to deceive them and the faith in that things are going to go wrong than in their own ability to hear from God. In other words, we wind up going through life expecting that things are going to go wrong. You don't never stop and think about it, but that's you actually having faith that something is going to go wrong because you always expect it. All right? You'll be praying to God to deliver me from you know, my finances, my job, my relationship, or whatever it may be. But then in the backs of our minds, we're always thinking, but that's not going to work. It's going to go wrong. So when you stop to think about it, you've developed what's called a poisoned faith because you're having faith in the things in your life going wrong more than having faith in God that things are going to go right. You see? So we've got to get to the point that we can, can break the chains of that old thinking and, 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 and think about how can we abide in God. We must understand that hearing from heaven is not something that we do. 
Hearing from heaven is not something that we do, but hearing from heaven is a part of who we are. All right? Hearing from God is not something that you do. Hearing from God is who you are, what you're meant to do, what you're meant to be, you see? But we, we don't think of that. We'll think of hearing from our parents, hearing from our boss. We'll take that as really kind of passe and, you know, that's to be expected. But we don't expect that we can hear from God. Do you realize, and I tell you this today, I don't care what's going on in your life. I don't care what difficulty you're carrying. You're carrying. You can hear from God. You can hear from him. If you're willing to, to break the, the, the shackles away from your mind and stop thinking that it's an impossibility. Or I'm at a point that I just can't dig my way out of the things are just so far gone. God is simply waiting for you to make a choice and say, okay, Lord, I can't do this myself. Talk to me. Talk to me. Okay? And it's, it's nothing more um, a, a difficult or involved in that. You see? But the way we've been raised, and I mean, just... The world around us and the way people talk about our relationship to God, it makes it seem like it's so difficult. We gotta light candles and we gotta genuflect and gotta stand on one foot and hop around and on the third, fourth moon of the month you gotta do this and there's always some rituals involved, okay? Instead of stopping and think that God is a supernatural God. When you gave yourself to Jesus Christ, something happened inside of you. No theologian can explain it. The Bible simply says that you became a new creation. And if you really, really in your heart of hearts, in your spirit, accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and if you really, really cried out to him and said, Jesus, Lord, come into my life, my life and help me, then that thing, that, that, that undescribable change that the Bible talks about happened in you. That means you are a new creature in Christ Jesus, which gives you a different relationship to the Father than the person that has not accepted God. So that means you have a special privilege. You have a special, a special entrance point into the court of the Lord, into God's kingdom, because you are now a part of that supernatural kingdom, you see. But we get so caught up in what man has taught us and what, quote-unquote, religion has taught us, that we cast away, we cast aside the true, the true spiritual truths that Jesus was talking about. When Jesus was here ministering, he upset he upset the, 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 the Jewish religion that was the, the, in rule at the time. He threw it on, tossed it on its end because he wasn't talking about rituals. He was talking about the spiritual realities of life, which they couldn't grasp. So now God, with, with Jesus' death and resurrection, when the, vent, when the veil in the temple w- w- was torn in two, thereby signifying now we have access to God, with Jesus' death and resurrection, now we can go directly to the Father and we are in a different place. But we human beings have a way of always operating in those things that are familiar to us. And how, what is familiar to us? The way we've been taught and raised. Okay? I'm here to tell you today that this is a whole different level. It's a whole different ball game. But it's up to you to, to change your thinking and to change your mind. Okay? You have access. If, if you picture a radio... You know, we still have radios. Everything is so digital these days. But a plain old radio, you know, or, or, or your TV, you, you, you tune the tuner to a certain station, okay? And because of the way that um, box, the radio, is designed, it links, to, it links to the tower, to the signal tower, and it grabs the signal and it pulls it in and you can hear it. Okay, if you want to to put on a good Christian station, 104.1, you know, and and you want to hear a good Christian station, but you go putting it on some other channel, you know, you're going to get some rock music or some rap music or something like that. But it's not what you're looking for because you didn't tune into the right station. Well, you see, you being a child of God, you are tuned into that station. You're tuned. But many times we choose not to tune in. We forget that we have the radio in us, that we're on the same frequency as God, and all we simply have to do is to open the frequency, you see? But what do we do? What we do is, as human beings still, and most of us are still functioning as human beings and forgetting about the supernatural part of us, okay, is that we misdial. We misdial. We don't tune in to the right station. Whereas God is sending the signal, God is sending the signal constantly to you. You're sitting here right now and God is sending the signal. And hopefully, hopefully, Holy Spirit signal is getting into you, that you're tuning in and you're hearing what he's saying to you now. But when you leave here many times, we 
change channels. You see? And it's so easy for us to change channels. We change channels by getting dressed for church in the morning. We get a phone call and a friend or family member or somebody will call up and say, Hey, what about we do so-and-so? What about we do so-and-so? Oh, what about we do so-and-so? And then you decide, okay, yeah, and you stay tuned to that channel. You go on and do it. Do it. In the meantime, God is broadcasting on his channel to you, trying to tell you about something that's going to happen today or happen on Monday. He's trying to tell you about something to prepare for the week ahead. He's trying to tell you something, how to get rid of the problem that you have. But you don't hear it because you're tuned into the family channel. You're tuned into the friend channel. You're tuned into doing something else. You see? And it happens in a nanosecond. It happens in a nanosecond. You don't, even give, you don't even give thought to it. You don't give thought to it. That person shows up, that situation shows up. You don't even give a thought, Lord, is this where you want to have me today? Okay? Many times we don't tune into that channel and there is a precious broadcast coming that's meant for us. Okay, it was last week, week before last, I think it was, they tested the president's um, emergency warning system. It just overrode every cell phone and came through. Sometimes I wish God could just do that override everyone's cell phone and just kind of dial into you and say, here's my message for you today. Okay, you see? But God doesn't operate that way. God is not a, a, a God of robots. God did not create a, 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 a family, a, a world of robots. God created every single one of us with free will. You can dial into whatever channel you want to. God is simply here telling you that I've got a broadcast for you. I've got a channel. Are you going to choose to dial in to hear what I'm saying? Or are you going to choose to dial in and follow what somebody else is pulling you off to do? Or some situation or circumstance? Okay? If you notice the things that seem to be quote-unquote important are always on Sunday. You drive to the church in the morning and you, what do you see? Open house, open house, open house. Okay, okay, you're doing the summertime, you got the little leagues, the games and everything is playing. Everything is happening on Sunday. Okay, that's the world's way of keeping you tuned away from God's channel. You see, but if you've got something going on in your life and you, you don't have your arms wrapped around it, you're wrestling with it, then you need to make a decision today. What am I going to do about it? Because God is putting the choice before you. He's putting it. It's time for you to fish or cut bait, as they say. All right. As things draw on and as Jesus continues to tarry, okay, potentially it can get worse. The challenges are going to become more and more, especially for us Christians. You can see it around you. It's happening in the world. It's time for us to to stop letting our minds be fettered by what man tells us God is all about and how we can approach God and going by what God wants to tell us. Knowing that he's a supernatural God, so therefore he's going to be acting and contacting you in a different way. Tuning into that channel is what you were created for. You were created for a specific purpose. You are called to abide in God. Part of that abiding is becoming aware of his ways of communication and the fact that revelation is your birthright as children of God. Do that revelation is a birthright? Revelation meaning that you have a right to understanding and hearing, the, hearing and understanding the revelations of God. And what God can reveal to you, I mean, gee whiz, boy, it can be a mind blower because you have no idea what's in store in your future. You have no idea of the wondrous things that God has in, has in store for you. You have no idea of how you can overcome certain situations that are in your life, but, but revelation can reveal it to you. His voice, God's voice, um, um, creates light upon the path so that we can clearly see the way and navigate forward. We are to live lives that are in sync with the thoughts and intents of our Father's heart. We are to be planted fully and deeply in Him without shame or without fear. You know, the reason that we lose our footing is many times because we've changed channels and we're not aware of it. We wind up getting off the path because we're not hearing what God is telling us to do. So we wind up making decisions and doing things based on our own intellect or by others that are around us, by things that are going on in your lives. Okay? All right? You get that distraction, that thing in your life, and you really stop before you say yes and before you just pick up and start to go. You, you, you consult with Holy Spirit in here. You consult with Holy Spirit. Okay? You never know how Holy Spirit's going to move. 
There have been times that I've upended services, and instead of going in the traditional, you know, music, where Holy Spirit will just say, I want you to pray for everybody. And walking in the door, all of a sudden, a healing prayer line is, is, Holy Spirit says, call a prayer line. Simple as that. And then because of the fact that you're not here, you miss out on what's going on. Okay, because God works in his own special way. God's timing is always perfect timing. You don't know when God's going to do something. So the only thing that you can do is say, God, I'm here. I'm available for you. Do with me what you will. That's what abiding in him is all about. Okay, we need to make sure that we are planted fully and deeply in him. Go to John 15. John 15. John 15. Praise the living God. John 15, verse number 5. Matter of fact, um, go up to 4. Okay. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. Again, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you except you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And as men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Okay, so this is about abiding. You know, you've all seen branches laying on the sidewalk or on the the grass. If it's disconnected or broken away from the tree, that branch withers. You've got things going on in your life and you're feeling at a loss. You're feeling drained. You're not knowing what to, what to do. And if you're a child of God, one of the first things you, you should do, in addition to prayer, is start asking yourself and start going through your, 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 your spirit and your mind and everything. Have I gotten disconnected from Jesus somehow? Have, have I missed prayer time with him? Have I missed simply talking to him? Okay. How many here realize that, you know, prayer doesn't have to be a formal time where at, at 6 a.m., 6 p.m. or 6 a.m. or whatever, you get down on your knees and you just start praying. You can pray to God continually. The word of God says to pray continually. Continuously, you can pray continually throughout the day. God doesn't speak in King James language where you got to say thou, thee, and everything. You can simply say, Lord, I'm going to so-and-so today. How am I going to manage this? How am I going to pay for this? How am I going to get out of this mess, Lord? Sometimes the most effective prayer is, Lord, help me! Okay, but we oftentimes when you're feeling drained and just kind of drab, ask yourself, am I disconnected from God? Have I not read scripture today? Have I prayed today? Have I talked to him today? Because then your abiding is broken. Abiding means when you live with someone, you know, you heard me say a million times, you know, we go up to see my mother-in-law, whom I love dearly. And, and when we come for a visit and so forth, we'd have the kids with us and then she know we're coming for a visit. At the end of several hours or whatnot, we pack up the kids and we come back home. But if I ever showed up with my toothbrush and my suitcase and everything, he's, uh-oh, uh-oh, Mike's coming here to abide with me. Was he moving in? He's come to live with me. Amen? Amen? All right, so that's moving in. When are you going to move in with God? Or are you just going to be a visitor? Where I visit, I visit him occasionally. You know, once a week on a Sunday for two hours, I go to visit God. But then as soon as I leave church, I become the hellion that I am the rest of the week. You get back into all of the things that you normally do that would be away from God. You forget about that and you get back into that life. But when are you going to really truly abide in him? And this is again, this is throwing off those chains. I'm telling you, you brothers and sisters, you need to change the way you're thinking here because because this is food for your spirit. You've been wrestling. You are wrestling. You really need to change how you are approaching things relative to God. Jesus says that he is divine. The importance of God's words we need to think about each and every insight, each and every insight that God's that God provides for you is important. Every single insight that God gives you is important. Okay, 
you're about to do something, you're about to go somewhere, and then all of a sudden you get this little feeling in your, in your spirit deep in here that maybe I shouldn't do that, maybe I shouldn't go there. That could be possibly an insight. And you need to think about it. You need to spend some time and think about what it is that God is possibly telling you. The result of that revelation will oftentimes times be determined by your reply and your response. When you get that feeling that's going on inside you here, then, 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 then what, what needs that to happen depends on, on your reply and how you respond. If you just think on it for a day or two and then let it go, you'll probably miss the full effect of the oil of that word. Okay? Listen to what I'm saying now. You get an insight from God. You feel this is Holy Spirit. Something passes through your spirit. Something I should do. Something I should not do. Something I should say. Something I should not say. Some place I should go. Something I should not go. If, 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 if that just you, just, 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 you think on it for a day or so, and then you just let it go, you're probably not going to benefit because you'll miss the full effect of the oil that is in that word. If you write down If you record and then go back to it with prayer and seeking God's strategy, what winds up happening is is that you keep pressing that word, you keep molding and pressing that word to extract the oil from that word. Okay? Okay? God gives you a word. God gives you an unction for something. It comes in. Okay, I'll come to that, come back to that later. And you go and you do whatever it is. Maybe you think about it the next day or whatever. But you get this unction from God. You get this thought from the Lord. Everybody's got phones. Everybody's got little things they can record things on. Quickly speak a word into your phone. Record it. Write it down someplace, okay? And then when you're at a time when you can, can quietly stop and think about it, press that word. Press that thought. You, you ever squeeze an orange? You squeeze an orange trying to make French orange, fresh orange juice. You squeeze it the first time, you get some juice out of it. Then you put down the other half, you take the other half and you move it to a different position and you squeeze it some more. And you keep squeezing that orange and the more you squeeze that orange, the more juice you get out of it. The same thing it is with the word of God that comes into your spirit. If you meditate on it and press it, you'll get the oil. God's words are anointed. And that's why we use oil so much. You know, it's representative Holy Spirit. So if you press and you squeeze that thing that God is saying to you and not just simply looking at it and then dismissing it, okay, you won't get what wasn't really intended for you. You won't get it. So get into the habit of, if you can, write down, speak a word into your phone here, what you feel like Holy Spirit is telling you, and then come back and revisit it. Sometimes you are struggling and you need a breakthrough. Sometimes you're really wrestling with something and you need a breakthrough. God will send a word to you that contains bondage-breaking power. But if you're not tuning into the station, and if you're not willing to listen to it and meditate and think about what he's saying to you and pressing and squeezing that oil out of it, then you'll miss out on what the blessing is. It may not be a word that has long-term application, but it is sent for that very important uh, very uh, moment. Okay? We can re- receive from God in a couple of ways. We can receive from God a word or, or a sentence or a feeling that is not for long-term results, but it simply applies to whatever it is at that specific time. Sometimes words and, uh, uh, frame times and seasons. You can get a word from God that applies to an immediate situation in your life. You can get another word from God that, uh, that applies to a specific time frame and season. There have been many times in my life that I will keep pondering a word over and over, and each time I get more application. I get more understanding of what God is saying to me. Sometimes you can be on the fly, especially, and then Holy Spirit will check you with something, and if you're not able to really check it right now, you keep it up here or you write it down someplace, and you start squeezing that word and start thinking, okay, Lord, what are you telling me? You start looking at what's going on in my life. You start remembering, Lord, what did I ask you for? What was I praying for? And the more that you, you ponder that thing over and over again, you get more and more application and understanding of the word. And then it winds up becoming a mission statement, if you will, for a season on your spiritual journey. Once you start understanding what God is saying to you, it, it can become a mission for you, so to speak, uh, for your spiritual journey. And your supernatural journey at that. There are other words that are very specific and hold instruction for a particular assignment. All of these things must be prayed out and discerned. What if God is putting you, giving you a specific assignment? Do you just simply pass it by? Okay. You got to be careful of that. 
Because you don't know when God has given you an assignment for something, you don't know how that may lead to something else that will be a blessing for you. You don't know how simply, simply something as simple as, uh, you know, going to a particular store can lead to the fact that you run into a certain individual. And by you running into that certain individual, God's plan all of a sudden starts unfolding simply because of the fact that you decided to follow that unction. This is why recording, writing and praying over supernatural revelation is so critical to become a person who walks in the supernatural. You must learn to place emphasis and value on insight and revelation. You know, and I'm using these big fancy words, not really big fancy words. And in other words, what it's simply saying is that you get this feeling deep in your spirit that God is wanting you to do something, you know, you know, especially when it's something where you you in your mind can't figure out how this is going to help my situation. But all of a sudden it pops up in your spirit. That's something you need to pray on. That's something that you need to press to find out, God, if this is you, then you need to show me, talk to me, tell me what it is that, uh, that I need to do. God wants us to know his will. You ever think about that? God wants you to know his will. How do we properly discern and interpret the direction that we are to go in? The people that we should be surrounded by and the adventures that we are about to go on. You know? Couple of, a couple of weeks ago, we, we, we talked about how we should try to surround ourselves with at least five uh, spiritually minded people. You need to watch out who, you, who you're hanging around with, in other words, okay? Because it's one, only one of two things can happen from people that we hang around with. Either we become like them, or they hear the word of God and become like us. You don't know how many times people from the past have popped up with wonderful things. Oh, boy, this is what I'm doing. This is what's going on. This is what's going on. What are you doing these days, Mike? Oh, well, I pastor a church now. Oh, you what? Uh, 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 Okay, nice talking to you, click. Another 20 years go by, you don't hear from them. Okay? But what if I just decided, oh, let me go pursue that? Boy, that sounds exciting. That sounds exciting. Let me go get involved in that. Next thing you know, I forget about all of this. Okay, all of a sudden there's that shiny object. Okay, and a Christian's life is filled with shiny objects, filled with them. Shiny objects that God hasn't put out there for you. See, because the devil wants to, wants to pull you away, to attract you away. You've got to remember that you are a spiritual being and that you, you need to know what God's will is for your life. We must begin to answer these questions with one basic assumption or understanding. You've got to really understand that God wants you to know his will. Now listen to this. God wants you to know his will more than you are willing to hear his will. All right? Think about that. God wants you to hear his will more than you are willing to hear his will. And why is that? Because so many times, deep down in our heart of hearts, if you search yourself, and if you're truthful with yourself, and you're asking God, Lord, what is your will for my life? How much do you really, really want to know what he might tell you? How much do you really, really want to know that he may tell you to cut away friend number so-and-so, cut away going to so-and-so, cut away this from doing that on your job, cut away from this, cut away from that? How many times may God take something away from you or tell you to do something that really deep inside you don't want to do? So God wants you to know his will a lot more than you really, really, really want to know his will. So that's something you need to ask yourself. How much do I really want to know God's will? Is there anything in your life that you hold so near and dear? Are there any people in your life that you hold so near and dear that if God told you right now that I've got to, you've got to cut them loose, you'd be willing to do it? We're coming here to Oregon, and my wife and I prayed about it, and for over a year, Holy Spirit was drawing us, drawing us. We were in agreement that we were being called. God knows that we were, between us, we had decided that, okay, Lord, we'll be obedient. I know this is going on the internet and family members that may hear this on the podcast will certainly understand it. My dad was living with me at the time, and he was obviously elderly. And we said, oh, gee, what do we do with dad? How do we just upset him from New York and take him all the way to Oregon? And we wrestled with it. We were committed to go. We knew God was telling us to go. What do we do with dad? I love my dad. 
I sat down and we said, all right, let's just go talk to him and tell him like it is. Say, Dad, this is what we're about to do, etc. Went into his room. We sat down and we say, Dad, some of you are smiling because you know the story. But sat down and said, Dad, the Lord is telling us that we need to pick up and go to Oregon. I had already told God, I said, Lord, if that's what you want us to do, and if Dad has to stay here, then we'll make arrangements for Dad to stay here, and we'll just leave him, and we'll pick up and go, and we'll just come back and see him, et cetera, et cetera. Went to talk to him, we said, oh, we're going to go to Oregon. Oregon! Oh, boy, I remember Oregon in the big one, World War II. We pulled into Portland on December 15th, and daddy, 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 had a whole long war. I'd love to go to Oregon. We're like, what? Okay? But the time came, because we decided... As much as we loved my father, if this is what God wanted us to do, then we'd pick up and we'd go. And that God would care for him and take care of him and guide us with what to do. How many things are you holding on into your life that you, you really, really don't want to know God's will for your life? Okay? That's what you've got to search your, your soul, search your spirit, search your thoughts about. Is there something, you know, I love partying too much. I've got these friends, of, well, how am I going to cut them loose? Well, you ever stop and think about that? Maybe if you make up your mind to follow God, that maybe they will follow you to the Lord. Amen. God wants you to know his will. He is not withholding information or guidance from you. In fact, he has provided multiple ways to communicate his desires for our lives. Religious spirits have pushed a false image of God as a distant being, as I said before, someone who is far off, shrouded in mystery and too advanced for simple people, simple humans to understand. Embracing this false thinking about God makes it difficult for us to believe God for direction and receive his leading. The heart of God throughout the ages has always been to draw us. The heart of God has always been to pull you to him. Okay? But again, over the ages we know how that's resulted also. Okay? The very, the, 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 all of the, the, the pagans and people that worship rocks and trees and everything. That's because of that, that innate thing that desired us in their spirits to be drawn to God. But they mistake drawing to God. They'll, they'll, they'll focus on a tree. They'll make a, a monument, an idol out of a tree and they'll worship a tree, worship a stone, worship a snake. Worship, worship all sorts of things because they've got that built-in desire to be coming to call, uh, to give to a call to God. The heart of God throughout the ages has always been there, to be loved and to be close to him. It is time to change your thinking in winding down here. It's time to change your thinking, to renew your minds, to break the lie that God is some distant being. He's right here today. He's right here speaking to you. Our loving Father has an abundance of wisdom and guidance for us all. Let's go to Psalm, quick, uh, Psalm 16 quickly here in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Psalm 16. Psalm 16. 16, verse number 7. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My reins also instruct me in the night seasons. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoice. My flesh also shall rest in hope. For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thy holy one to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. All right? In his path is a path of life. God can show us that. In his presence, there's a fullness of joy. God will show you what is there and take away all of the feelings of, 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 uh, of, of uh, uh, lack of joy and every worry that you may have. The other final piece here that we need to do is to act on God's direction. That's the important thing. We need to act on God's direction. Step into the realm of miracles available to you by developing a faith for miracles. Here's another chain to take off your mind. To let your mind really embrace what the word of God is saying and, and is available to you. you got to start developing a faith for miracles. Some people think that miracles just don't happen to me. How can a miracle happen to me? 
Many times, as a matter of fact, you've got something really, really going on in your life, and you've gotten to the point. I know I've certainly been there over the many years. I've got, oh, gee whiz, only a miracle can get me out of this mess. You feel like the thing is just so bad, nothing can get you out of it. Well, start having, having developing a faith for miracles. Develop a, a conscious effort to press for that faith. Faith that must be targeted. Faith has to be targeted. Use your faith to tap into the anointing that God has given you. You've got to remember that you are an anointed person. Start to believe for miracles in your personal life. Believe and pray for uncommon levels of anointing and the power of God. Look and listen for revelation and illumination in your spirit. Sometimes you'll have things happening in your life and you'll think about others that have been in a similar place. And what the devil will always do, the devil will point out to you how that person failed. How that person never, never got out of the mess. You say, yeah, so-and-so had the same situation going on. You see what happened to him. Man, he's downtown, living under the bridge. He had faith in God. You can't live like that. You can't live like that. God has a message for you. God has a word for you. You've got to develop a faith in the fact that God can work miracles in your life. Start to believe for miracles in your life. Look for them. Open your spiritual eyes and ears. God is here telling you today to open your spiritual eyes and ears. There's something different out there, something that you're possibly missing. When you can see the invisible, when you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. When you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. When you can see the invisible, you can do the impossible. Well, wait a minute, that doesn't compute. How can I see the invisible? God is an invisible God. God is in the supernatural. Learning what you've learned today, you are operating in the supernatural. So that means that there are invisible things that you can't see. When you get to the point of being able to see those invisible things, you start seeing miracles start to happen that's in your life. When you can see what hasn't materialized yet, when you can see what hasn't happened yet, that's when the miracles start, start happening. When you can see yourself being out of debt, when you can see yourself being in a better job, when you can see yourself having a situation that is troublesome to you going away, when you can see that and see yourself how you are enjoying life, which is hard to do when you've got a problem. But when you can see yourself enjoying yourself because God has delivered you, that's when you're seeing the things that are invisible. Okay? You've got to change your thinking and hear what I'm saying now. You've got to get to the point because you are a supernatural being. You've got to get to that, that, that understanding and break away from the traditional thought now. You've got to move and operate to it in a whole different space. Vision empowers the miraculous realm to come into your life. Case in point, you know the old, we all know the story of David and Goliath. Goliath stood there threatening them for days on end and so forth like that. All of the other soldiers there were afraid to go. David being a little shepherd boy, small figured person. He envisioned he could see him defeating Goliath. He knew what his God would bring him to. So he didn't stand and go by what the world was telling him. His own brothers, King Saul, was saying, but you're too small. You're this and you're that. Putting armor on him that was too big. David said, I'm not going to use the world's way of fighting this Goliath, meaning the armor. I'm not going to use the standard way of doing it. I'm going simply with five smooth stones, which represented grace. Five stones I'm going to go, but all I'll need is one. He told Goliath, this day the birds will feed on your carcass. He could see what was invisible. He could see the outcome. He could see his deliverance. He could see see and remember what God did for him before with the bear and the lion, how God brought him through that situation. Well, God has brought you through situations that were seemingly impossible also, too, at the time. God brought you through those. And the same way God brought you through those, uh, those impossible situations, look at the things that are invisible to you right now and believe that God will bring you through whatever that is and see it so that that miracle can become real in your life. So David marched right into the front lines of the battle, completely unafraid of Goliath, and he simply did him in. Many times he didn't stand hindered by fear. Many times we Christians are sidelined by fear because we, 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 we act, on, but we must act on the dreams, the visions, and the leading that God gives you. You should, you should surely be able to envision yourself in a better place from wherever it is that you're wrestling with now. 
You should be able to surely envision how you will behave even. How you would be, be acting. You know, I, I recall one time, and I'll say this really briefly here, but envisioning in the church where we were raised, the pastor came out under the anointing and he said, all people out there who are, are, are looking to be first-time home buyers, don't have a home right now, next week by next Sunday, I want you to sketch out how you want your house to look, inside and outside. Sketch it out. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. You don't have to be an artist. Just sketch it out. We all did that. My wife and I were praying for a new house, our first house and everything. We did what the pastor said. That following Sunday when we came to church, he had one of the carpenters in the church there. One of the brothers, he built a doorway in the front of the, the altar there, built like a, a doorway. And the pastor said, what I want you to do is to have those plans in your hand. Anyone believing for a house, I want you to come through, walk through this doorway of this house that was built and put it in this uh, basket that he had. It was a, a, a rattan kind of straw basket and just drop your plans in that basket. And he prayed and prayed over those plans instead of saying, I want you to envision, see yourself in that house, see yourself in it just the way it looks. Walking on faith and moving on faith, exactly what we did. We envisioned ourselves in this house. We started looking on the market. There was one particular house that we went to. And uh, matter of fact, she um, was, home, was home with the babies. And I took a video camera and I walked inside. And inside the house, the house was laid out exactly as we had someone sketch it. Exactly. Down to the, the, to the two levels and the stairway, exactly how we had prayed for it. Then on top of that, to show you how God does when you have faith in him and you envision what it is that he wants to have for you and you have faith for it. God blesses you. He'll put icing on the cake, icing on the cake. As the, the, the current owner of the house showed me around the place and I'm videotaping it. He said, oh, yeah, come out. I want to show you the backyard. Went out to the backyard and it was a 16 by 32 foot in ground pool with a slide going down into it in a pool house in a, in a what, what they called back east was a Florida room, which is like a cabana where you could go in to change your clothing. So God not only blesses what you're praying for when you have faith, but he puts icing on the cake. We hadn't even drawn in anything about a pool. So ever since then, we started understanding and throwing away the chains that we can't be living by fear and hindering ourselves from seeing blessings in our lives. You've got to envision that thing that God, that you're praying for. Look into the invisible and see what, what can happen and you see the miracles uh, um, uh, falling out before you. You can have notebooks filled with all sorts of insight, words and dreams that will become nothing but binders of untapped potential if you do not have the bravery to act on the vision. To act on what God is telling you to do. There is no life in lazy faith. Fear paralyzes and sidelines, fear paralyzes and sidelines God-sized dreams. Fear can paralyze dreams that are given to you of God. Faith steers the human, stirs the human spirit to act in faith. James 2.14 is the last scripture. Let's just go there real quickly. The last scripture here. James 2. James 2. Praise the living God. Thank you, Jesus. James 2. And we'll just go right to verse 14. This is the last scripture, then we'll close here. What doth it profit, my brethren? What, what does it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and has not works? Can faith save him? Okay? What does it profit you if a man says, I have faith and not works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be you warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what does it profit? So in other words, if somebody came up to you and said, I'm cold or I'm hungry, and you say, oh, praise the Lord, and God bless you, and all this stuff, and you speak all these kind words, but you don't give him some food or don't give him some clothing, what good is it doing to him at the time? Verse 17, even so, faith, if it has not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show you my faith by my works. 
Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Okay? So in having this revelation knowledge coming from God, and God is telling you to do something, God is instructing you to do something, if you don't do it, what good is it? What good is it? You have to act on God's word. Okay? Showing me, you know, I can... Uh, you know, Brandon can give me the keys to his car and he can say that these keys will get you home. Yeah, they, they will get me home. But in order for me to do that, I've got to do something. I've got to take those keys. I've got to walk outside having faith that those keys are going to unlock that car. And that when I put the, the, uh, uh, have the, uh, the ignition, hit the ignition, that that key fob is going to, you know, start the ignition and I can drive it home. But faith with, if I just sat here and said, oh yeah, these keys, these, these keys will get me home and don't go out there and do something about it. I'll be sitting here until Jesus returns. <laughs> Amen. So faith without works is dead. Okay, and, and, and we're not talking about the whole concept of works getting me bringing salvation. We're not talking about that because works is not going to get you salvation. Amen. We're talking about you working and carrying out what God is telling you to do. All right. So remember that you are indeed a, 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 an heir to the supernatural kingdom of God. You are a supernatural being. You are or you have the ability to be in constant connection with God. God wants to show you his will for your life. God wants to bail you out of whatever you're going through. But what are you doing to meet him and to hear him and to do what it is he's telling you to do? God wants you to tell, wants to tell you his will for your life. And this is a big sticking point for many Christians. God wants to tell you his will for his life. But are you willing to hear what his will is and to act on it? Are you too afraid that that may mean I have to change some of the things that I do? Does that mean I have to stop doing and going some of the places that I go? Does it mean I need to stop hanging out with some of the people that I'm hanging out? Does it mean that I need to just unabashedly, unashamedly give myself to the Lord and tell him to take me, Lord, wherever you want me to go? Praise God. Praise God. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Now, before we close, let us honor God with our tithes and offerings.